everyone. It's Sean Dubervac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Techspansive. This week, we're going to dive into a lot of Facebook news. And of course, that includes all of their other properties and and platforms, including Oculus and Instagram. They had their big F8 developer conference this week, though it's really not much of a developer-focused conference anymore like it used to be. We'll hit our lightning round. We'll look at Marriott launching an Airbnb competitor, Google launching a virtual customer service agent, and robotics startup Anki shutting down after $200 million in venture capital funding. And finally, Ross will talk about a startup that he saw at Tech Day New York this week called A Cloud of My Own and their Guard Dog product. So with that, let's jump into F8 news. F8 comes on the heels of pretty good revenue numbers from Facebook for Q1. It was up 26%. Advertising revenue was uh, was up the same, uh, just under $15 billion. They set aside $3 billion for their forthcoming FTC settlement. And then we walk into F8, where we see Mark Zuckerberg starting off with a message that the future is private. So that is essentially the opposite of everything that Facebook has been, where the past message was, let's connect everyone in the world on this platform. You know, there was certainly a lot to unpack. uh, And this is a continuation of what uh, Zuckerberg's public comments have been. I I think what we're starting to see from Facebook now is that, you know, even though the financials were good, even though the advertising business is good, they are doing a lot of things to try to increase the utility of the product and diversify revenue. Uh, and uh, I know you'll, you'll have some, some thoughts on this, Sean, but in, in terms of increasing the utility, they want to drive people more toward groups, you know, where they can make more meaningful connections, time well spent, as uh, they have said in the past. Uh, they're launching this uh, dating facility that's actually, I think, up, up in a few countries now, but it's coming to the U.S., uh, that allows you to, you know, see who your secret crush may be and, you know, kind of a billion user version of uh, passing around notes uh, in, in eighth grade. And meanwhile, they're, they're doing a lot on the, on the commerce front, uh, launching their own crypto coin currency uh, that's, that's been in the news. So even, even though I'm sure the advertising business will be strong and dominant for some time to come, they're putting things in place to diversify and perhaps protect themselves in, in case some of those moves inter- interfere with their ability to be uh, to, to drive the kind of uh, data machine that, that they have had going in the past. It's clearly a push towards becoming a commerce platform and a commerce engine. Mark Zuckerberg noted during the call last week that he's personally quite focused on payments across all of Facebook's services. And they're going to take a country by country approach, but definitely looking at how to push Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, WhatsApp into a a commerce arena. And I think you're seeing that already. Instagram introducing buy buttons, to your point, some of the notes you made, moving and launching a a stable coin-based payments network. I think uh, the move to groups also facilitates some payments. Facebook has become a dominant platform for local yard sales and person-to-person transactions. And so 
I think they see that move and look to uh, monetize it. And then in, at the same time, they're going to connect the back ends of all of these platforms. I think that's a direct approach to some of the antitrust conversation that's come out of Washington. So they'll integrate more seamlessly all of the different platforms. So you'll be able to message across all of the platforms. That's the positive consumer experience. But for them, it also helps shield them from some of these desires to break up the Facebook monopoly into a variety of different segments and pieces. So so you're saying there that you think their argument becomes, uh, we, we can't split it up now because it's all, all integrated, one service? Yeah, I think that that helps their argument, or at least I think that's one piece of it is that uh, they integrate everything on the back end and make it seamless and it makes it much more difficult to break it apart as a separate entity. I don't, I don't know if regulators would be quite so sympathetic. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, it's different, you know, certainly a different world than it was uh, back when Microsoft was under antitrust scrutiny. But they tried to make that argument, you know, that Internet Explorer was integrated into Windows. And, you know, if you, if you took it out, things would start breaking. And regulators were, were not very sympathetic uh, to that argument back at the time. But, um, uh, well, maybe, maybe regulators would say, well, all right, well, fine. In that case, you have to split off the whole messaging unit. If you want to have these disparate brands, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger, that's the business, you know, the messaging business. And you would have to, uh, to split that off. But in, in terms of these new, uh, revenue streams, uh, I'm wondering, Sean, what, what you think about uh, who they may be moving more toward as competitors. I mean, today they seem to have a pretty good relationship with Amazon. Maybe they go and they they buy an eBay, right? Which um, would really bolster their person-to-person -person commerce. Or as they move into media, we've talked about the growing competition with, with YouTube, but of course, Google was already a competitor. So so if, as they start to make these moves into commerce, do you, you know, do you see them pushing up against Amazon or other players? I see them pushing up against Amazon. I see them also, you know, there's other platforms out there. Something like a StockX could be a, a potential good acquisition for Facebook to make as they try to push more into some of these niche retail plays or, or commerce plays. I also think that there's a lot of peer-to-peer -peer transactions that will take place on the platform. And that fits in nicely with this messenger model where you're interacting with individual on a individual basis or you're inter interacting with groups. It fits into that idea that the future is private. I also think that the future is private is a message that Facebook is trying to convey in order to reestablish trust mm -hmm. sufficient to then have individuals rely on them to make financial transactions. So you need to have that trust in the platform in order to feel like you can trust a, a stable coin-based payment system or that you can make transactions between individuals, whether those are peer-to-peer -peer transactions or you're going out to retail. So to your point, an eBay type model probably makes a lot of sense, though I think what you're going to see is a greater organization. So one of the things that happens with Twitter is you have mass communication. And I think mm -hmm. Facebook is trying to create more well-defined communication. And, and eBay, while they have categories and things like that, I think Facebook is going to use other elements to organize that information. To that point, what I already mentioned with their yard sale success, they are an extremely successful yard sale 
platform, probably competing against the Craigslist of the world in that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that uh, it seems like the, the group's function has really been this sleeper feature of, uh, of Facebook. I mean, it's been something that's grown kind of organically, but it, it, it really helps drive trust because it's not just this list of friends, some of whom may post often, some of whom may not, you know, some of whom you may really know in the real world, some of whom you may not. Groups, these kinds of discussions really, uh, and, and perhaps because, you know, many of them are moderated, it, it really allows a, a, a better level of discussion. It, it really helps relationships to form uh, a lot better. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's really going to be key. It says, um, to your point, uh, Sean, about marketplace, you know, marketplace, Facebook watch and gaming, uh, are all going to point you to groups. So there's going to be this big push on group discovery. Um, and you know, <laughs> I, I think it raises the question, how do you do that? How do you surface people's interests without again, creeping them out uh, a little bit that, you know, hey, you guys know so much about me. So I think that'll be the challenge. And I think groups is the next natural iteration. So once you've connected everyone and you've got varying degrees of connections based upon mm-hmm. how well you know someone, the next big push is let's organize all of these individuals based upon shared interests. Right. And you can do that in a digital space. So similar to the way a meetup might work for those who are wanting to get together in a physical environment, Facebook can help facilitate some of that digital connectivity and allow for a greater interaction and, and a greater connection than than really anywhere else. So I, I do think that there is tremendous promise in that uh, group setting. How they monetize it then is the next big thing. And, and I don't know... I mean, they keep people on the platform longer, so that will help. Right, will definitely uh, drive engagement. Yeah and, yeah, and so the ad business will continue to grow. But I do think the next big push for them is to be a, a WeChat-like platform for the, the U.S. and other markets where WeChat isn't as prevalent. Uh, WeChat really runs major urban settings in China where you're mm-hmm. doing everything through the WeChat. You're making reservations, you're pa- making payments, you're paying for your rent, you're doing everything through the platform, I've got to believe that Facebook sees that and sees the potential for that. And so they're putting together all of the pieces to execute that now. And a big piece of that is redeveloping trust. And I think an interesting contrast, uh, you know, we've, we've spoken in, in the past, we, uh, we talked a lot about the new Apple services push, uh, and there was some good news from Apple on that front uh, in their earnings about the progress that they're making in subscriptions and services. Very, very different approach than I think Facebook is taking, though, where Apple is all about monetizing upfront, right? You know, get me the subscription revenue now, and I'm going to provide all these content services to you. And I'm, I'm sure other other things are down the line. You, you've spoken a, a few times about their their health opportunity, uh, where trust is um, is, is paramount. Uh, but um, with with Facebook. Uh, it, it's really more of a, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're aggregating uh, a, a lot of the services, but we're, we're building a, a lot of the, the engines uh, for, for the transactions uh, between right. the, 
the stable coin. Um, also, you know, Sean, you mentioned the uh, uh, Instagram button. I, I think that's really going to help them in the influencer community. I, I think if you think of the two, and I just mentioned YouTube, if you think about the two uh, big um, or two of the big influencer platforms today, they're Instagram and YouTube. And YouTube has just been a much easier platform to monetize once you've built up you know, several hundred thousand or, or millions of, uh, of, of followers, uh, the buy button is, is really going to, I think, really help uh, people at, at that tier make money off Instagram. And I think it's going to be a powerful uh, retention tool for those uh, high profile influencers um, uh, and, and, you know, ca cause them to move even more aggressively uh, from Snapchat. Uh, so, um uh, so, so I think that's uh, that that's going to be a really really huge for for users of of Instagram at that scale. Well, and you saw some other announcements about Instagram in Canada. They were testing removing the number of likes, right? Uh, and so, which I think would go opposite to helping influencers, but right. Well, I think yeah. what they're doing is is trying to reverse some of the the negative influences that drive and the the dopamine hits that users get from driving likes and as a result, creating adverse behavior on the platform. Whether that's successful or not, I think it's an interesting approach. Uh, they also are testing some anti-bullying features like warning users before they say something hurtful right. uh, and the ability to limit interactions without blocking. So I think that's really interesting too, where you're seeing these platforms utilizing things like machine learning to curb certain behavior. And then that's clearly one of the things that's that's influencing all of these platforms today, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter is rogue players that are yeah. negatively influencing the platform. And so Instagram is looking to address some of that in a natural way. My take on the anti-bullying and, uh, and the, uh, the like suppression is uh it's, it's for a different kind of user and I, I think maybe facebook i mean they have tools today for people on the facebook platform itself different kinds of tools for you know normal people if you will versus celebrities who are you know managing pages and it's an integrated part of their social media strategy uh and and i think we're starting to see some of that move to instagram so so there are going to be people with millions of followers and they have different kinds of needs than you know some kids in junior high school who are in a, a chat and you know getting nasty things uh said about them the, these other two uh features that you mentioned are more for the the everyday user the teen user uh to to kind of you know shield their ego a little bit you know so you don't feel so bad if you you know if i have fewer likes than you know my my friend uh and and you know and, and to cut down on the on the bullying so well, and, and it isn't just teens. I mean, it's uh, stay-at-home moms. It's, you know, everybody gravitates towards wanting to have those likes. And you see very interesting behavior among teens where if they don't get a certain number of likes in a certain number of time, they'll just right. delete the post, right? So they're, <laughs> uh, they're playing in a very different market. But also, I think some of those tools will help strengthen the platform so that parents are comfortable letting their, their teens and preteens on the platform. So one mm -hmm. of the things that has has I think hurt Snapchat is that some parents don't let their kids on the platform uh, and Instagram certainly doesn't want to to go in that same direction. Also, Facebook as a whole 
has to continue to garner the attention of those younger cohorts and drive them onto the platforms. They haven't been very successful with respect to Facebook. They have been successful with Instagram. And so they need to continue to maintain that and figure out how to move them uh, across the different platforms. Right. The, the new users of today are the big celebrities of tomorrow. Uh, well, good. Let's move now into our lightning round. First up, Marriott launches Homes and Villas. It's an Airbnb competitor. They're launching it in more than 100 markets around the world following a year-long pilot program that they were doing in London. Uh, I think I've got two cliches for this. Uh, if you can't beat them, join them. And maybe too little, too late. I, I actually think that it's a, that there is an opportunity for them because of the brand name and an opportunity to enforce certain standards that Airbnb may be less willing to enforce. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately for Marriott, you know, Airbnb has become more of a trusted brand uh, at this point. So some of their advantage there is not as strong as it, it would have been a few years ago. I think it's a huge opportunity for them, and it makes a lot of sense to go in this space. And I do think their willingness to maintain a, a certain level of standard service helps Marriott. So whether it's the amenities or the, the types of linens, um, right. they announced that they would have 24-7 support high-speed Wi-Fi. So you're able to standardize the Airbnb market to some extent. And I think right. that benefits Marriott. Story number two, Google launches CallJoy. This is a roughly $40 a month virtual customer service agent aimed at primarily small U.S. businesses. It's available now on an invite-only basis. I think it's a really interesting move where we see uh, virtual agents being deployed in different ways. And it certainly provides a needed service for small businesses that couldn't employ this on a standalone basis. They can now take advantage of, of this. And I, I think it shows that Google services are going to become even deeper entrenched in small businesses. They've clearly made a big push with G Suite and clearly they're looking at other ways of servicing small businesses. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely see a, um, a connection to G Suite and uh, they have spoken before about the uh, small business opportunity. It's also kind of the other shoe dropping on Duplex, which is the consumer service uh, to reach out to small businesses and set up appointments and things like that. So I think, I think there's a lot of similar technology being deployed. Uh, I, I think probably at some point, you know, if a duplex call calls a call joy business, uh, something will kick in and, you know, everything will happen automated uh, because right now they're both kind of simulating human interaction, uh, which wouldn't be necessary in that conversation, in that uh, scenario. So uh, I think there are uh, many options for small business in this virtual assistant space. Uh, I'm not sure how this compares uh, price-wise, but uh, um, yeah, I bet if you're a G Suite customer, they'll, they'll be able to build some, some interesting hooks in there. And over time, this type of service should drop to close to zero. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. everybody can employ it. Uh, I think what you're seeing is the automation of everything and bringing services to small, especially small businesses that historically haven't had the resources or the bandwidth to do it. Now they can automate some of those things. And so in the future, small businesses may pay some lumps, monthly sum to Google or to others and get a plethora of automated services, including customer service and, and all of these other type of uh, virtual 
features. Third lightning round, robotic startup Anki announced that they were shutting down to the dismay of every consumer robot fan toy, out toy there. Robot. Yeah. yeah, every everybody who doesn't have one, but yet was heartbroken to see them shut down. One of the, the storylines here is that it is a very difficult market to be in the hardware business. They had had about $200 million in venture capital. They aren't the first one to try. They also aren't the first one to fail. There's been a, a series of companies in the space shutting down. It's still a, a very difficult market to come out with hardware that really resonates with consumers and that they'll continue to adopt at a fast clip. Now, these guys had a very big uh, debut. Uh, they uh, Their first product, which was kind of a high-tech um, slotless slot car racing uh, game, uh, Anki Drive, was uh, de debuted at an Apple developer conference and really wowed the crowd. They always position themselves as an AI company, uh, bringing their technology uh, into the world through toys. And, and I think that's really the problem. I mean, I, I actually met with Anki uh, before they released their last product, final product, the, this Vector robot. And they uh, talked at length about the investments that they had made in, in training it for all these reactions and things like that. And uh, really, really intense uh, development effort uh, just very difficult to monetize that on, on the back end as a toy. You know, you wind up with very high price points and, and marginal utility. Uh, I think uh, if, if they could find some, you know, the, the robotics, if, if you look at what's working in robotics, like these vacuum cleaners, it's because they do things for people. Um, much, much more difficult to uh, sell something at a sub substantive price uh, with substantive margin as as a toy. So unfortunately, I, I think that was a big part of their challenge. Ross, you want to kick off our tech of the week story? Yeah, line? sure. Uh, so this week, uh, just yesterday, in fact, was uh, uh, from our recording time, was uh, Tech Day New York. Uh, it bills itself as the largest startup event in the country. Uh, hundreds of uh, companies in relatively small booths uh, showing off what they're doing, talking to investors, talking to media, uh, and um, uh, a lot of lot of fintech uh, companies, uh, different kinds of uh, credit cards, for example, that could uh, that you could use uh, with with very tight controls. Sort of a corporate extension of some of the things we're seeing for kids <laughs> uh, these days. But uh, but one of the companies, one of the relatively few companies actually in the consumer space, was. Um, uh, a company called Cloud of My Own, uh, and uh, the more memorable name is the product name, which is uh, Guard Dog. And essentially, what it is, it's it's a little box. I think the prototype is built on Raspberry Pi, uh, and it sits on your network, and and uh, it it looks for uh, anomalies in in how your IoT devices your your cameras, your smart light bulbs and things are communicating uh, out to the internet. And it, uh, I guess, alerts you or, or tries to shut down instances where where some of these products might have been compromised. Uh, there was a big story, I think, in the Times a while back about uh, a, a webcam, uh, an, an, I'm sorry, a, a Nest camera that had been compromised. And, you know, these hackers were, were playing uh you know, porn sounds through it and keeping a poor kid up at night. 
so, so this is what uh, you know the kinds of things that it's uh, they're looking to to avoid. Uh, the product itself, you know, they have a Kickstarter going on right now. It's about a hundred bucks um, with six months of service. I mean, one of the issues with a lot of these home network protection devices that you have to pay a subscription. So I, I'm not sure about how big the market is for that, but but it's definitely a very modern day problem. You know, the idea uh, that uh, we have these devices in our home that we need to be protected against. I think it's a very interesting world we live in when we have to <laughs> buy products to protect ourselves from the products that we've already bought. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, also, I would I would just say that uh, their approach may be um, interesting, unique, perhaps, but uh, there there are a number of products, uh, home security products beyond what you know your your vanilla router uh, does to prevent you from all kinds of viruses and malware. Uh, I guess the the hook on this one is that it's it's really focused on on other devices, so a, a new a new kind of network security need. Unfortunately, what we see in technology is that uh, we create something it has some positive benefits and then it have all, has all these negative externalities. And so we create new products to address all those negative externalities. And that's exactly what this is. It's <laughs> a product to protect you from all of the adverse consequences from everything you've already plugged into your home. The alternative to this is the, the products just get really good at protecting themselves mm-hmm. and they don't need a guard dog. Uh, sure. And uh, of, of course, I'm sure the, uh, the founder here uh, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be averse at some point to, uh, you know, selling this to a, a Netgear or, or some company where it could be integrated into the router. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Techspansive. Again, I'm Sean Dubervac at Avrio Institute, and you can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. <laughs>